Okay, Chad, give me <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Curtis, do you want the honors? I, I would love. You know what? Why don't you do the honors today, Nick? <laughs> no, because I was making fun of you. Introduce us. It's your turn. It's, it's just been my turn every single time. This is the eleventh <laughs> podcast. You have a, you have the voice for the intro. Hello and welcome to the CrossFit SCV podcast. <laughs> like a- my name is Curtis Marzinczyk and I am joined by Nick Christie. <laughs> Nick Krusty. Nick Chris. Chris. Christ do you? Christ. Christ yeah, you. Yeah, anyone that I owe debts to, that's where you send the mail to. <laughs> <laughs> today we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about though was the the different tracks of exercise that we have at the gym. Uh, we have the open performance fitness track. We follow the Ben Bergeron model and how you can pick which of those tracks, which one you should be in. Maybe you need to be in the more advanced one. Maybe you need, need to be in the other one. Maybe your, your eyes are a little too big for your stomach, but uh, how do you pick that? How do you, you know, we've talked about goal setting and, and, and committing to goals and, and doing all of that. And I think that a key part of that that maybe we missed was maybe honing in on that a little bit. So I, th- I think I want to kind of take a little bit more, put the microscope over that a little bit and figure out which track should we be in so we can set our goals and expectations correctly uh, as opposed to maybe just sort of blindly making goals like, uh, yeah, I just started CrossFit and my goal for this year is to do 22 muscle-ups in a row and 300-pound snatch. And make the games. And make the CrossFit games. Funny side story. I remember, and I think maybe at some point we should have Sean on this uh, and we can talk to him because in the early days we were both kind of getting involved in CrossFit at the same time. We followed the same programming. What we were talking about earlier reminded me of this uh, I remember being like new to CrossFit, maybe a year or two into it, super overweight. I could lift a lot compared to the other people in the gym, which at the time I thought was like a really big accomplishment. Not sure if I could do 30 burpees in a row back then, but I could strict press like 230. So I felt super, super awesome. And uh, I remember telling someone, either him or Christy or somebody, yeah, I think I want to go to the games. And they're like, oh Yeah. Yeah, good luck. And I remember thinking, well, that's shitty. I can, I can strict press as much as these people can. And it was, it's a, a funny thing. It took me a couple of years to get to the point where I'm like, man, I can like squat. I can do a, a lot of these things as much as a lot of these guys. You know, especially when I got to the master's level, I'm like, man, I'm way stronger than all these guys. How come I can't at the open? I'm you know four thousandth, and then realized that oh no, it's all that other stuff. Yeah, I think CrossFit has a lot of similarities to golf. Um, in the sense that you could spend your entire life doing this sport and there's still something to refine. And to me, that's the rower. Every single time I get on a rower, I feel like I learn something slightly better. The, like, row, the concept two rower? Yeah. Yeah. That to me is the one piece of machinery that every single time I get on, I'm like, okay, how can I be a little bit better than the last time? Like, what's that little thing? Oh, can I pinch my shoulders a little better? Can I push off my heels instead of my toes? And I'm probably making crap up now um, from a technique perspective. But I feel like CrossFit in general is you could spend a year or two years getting really, really good at a specific lift and then spend the next two years getting really good at gymnastics. And it's going to take a long time to be that well-rounded individual. And I agree with you. I think a lot of people walk in and they think, ah, I'm going to work my butt off for a year, year and a half from now, I'm going to be the top person in the region. And I'm going to go to the games right after that. Yeah. For me, it, it highlights a couple things for me. One is that you don't realize how easy they make it look. You see like Rich Froning going through oh, and doing yeah. like a double heavy grace, like grace with like 155 pounds two times in a row. And he does it in like 
Six minutes? You're like, six yeah. minutes? That's like three minutes for a 155 Grace? Grace? Yeah. That's nothing. And Doesn't then break a sweat. Try and do it yourself and it takes you 14 minutes. Yeah. And, like, he, and, just, and then he can, he can then recover and do another workout. 20 minutes later, I think the one, the year they had that is like the final couple of events for the games. They did that and then they did something else right after it. Like that was a part A for an AB workout was double heavy grace and then something else. And so I think you don't, A, you don't realize how easy they make it look. And B, I think that everyone overestimates their abilities. You know, they just kind of focus in on maybe one thing they're really good at, maybe an ex-gymnast, like, oh, I can to bring muscle ups it's no big deal and it's like okay but yeah you can't do any of the other things at all so yeah so up until this point if i'm recapping this intro we've talked about goal setting we've talked a lot about nutrition about identifying and recovering from injury today we're kind of gluing things together right we're bolting down all of these plans that we've set to what track what fitness track is probably most optimal for my goals that i've set for myself but also the accomplishments that i'd like to set out on for the next year or two Yes. Great. Yeah. To get uh, kind of getting a little more granular with that. So looking at this, I sat down and kind of made a little flow chart that we were just talking about. Um, at the gym, we talk, we have the open performance and fitness tracks. So a good place to start would be in which track do I belong? And there might be somebody out there that is really, really good, but maybe doesn't need to be in the open track, right? Or somebody that is a complete beginner that that maybe thinks, oh, well, why should I look at doing all these movements? I can barely stand up. And so let's let's kind of get into that a little bit. So talk, starting with the open track, that's our that's sort of our hardest programmed track at the gym. And sometimes I throw in like sort of an open plus version of the workout for some of our people that are competing, but open's gonna be the higher end of, of what it is that we're programming. Ask, maybe starting asking yourself, do I plan to compete in the sport of CrossFit? And that doesn't include the Christmas throwdown at CrossFit SCV or, uh, you know, whatever other local thing, the Burpee Mile. I'm talking about, do you think you have a shot at making regionals a master's qualifier? What if, what if I wanted to compete in regional or um, geographically regional events, but not the CrossFit regionals? Would you, would you consider people that want to do that to fall into this category? It would, that's going to be in the next category that I talk about. Okay. But I would say it would depend on what it is. What if I was competitive in other sports? Let's say I was wanted to be a competitive uh, obstacle course racer. Okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to cover that in the next track. Great. Okay. So on, on this track, do I want to compete in CrossFit? If the answer is, is yes, I would, I, we're going to keep moving on with this thought process. If the answer is no, I'm going to say, I'm immediately going to shift the focus over to the performance track, which is the next lowest track. If we're going, if we're going to continue down the open track and the answer to that is yes, I want to compete in the sport of CrossFit. And when you say compete, just to, just to put a bow on this thing, CrossFit sanctioned events. CrossFit sanctioned events, the CrossFit open in terms of you think you're going to be a top 100 in your region or in your age group qualifier or a CrossFit sanctioned event. So yeah, that, Got it. That, that's it. Cause I think there's probably a lot of people listening right now that are like, yeah, I compete. But yeah. that, that may not be the hard definition for them of competition. Sure, and I, I did that for, I've got probably, you know, 50 little medals in the gym from all the little local throwdowns and this and that. And, and fortunately in Southern California in my age group, 
I would actually run into the Bill Grundlers or the whoever, you know, the guys that are the top end athletes in the world, you know, in at, I think Bill Grundler's a year or two older than me. It was only a couple of years ago. He was still qualifying for the regular CrossFit games, like as a regular individual. I didn't know he's 73. Yes. Thank you. 72 actually. Okay. Yeah. That's the level that we're talking about is, is not at the local throwdown level, but at the CrossFit games level. Um, Okay, so you're you're doing the open track. You've been doing it now, maybe. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go even a little bit further now. Let's say we've been doing this track for a year or two. You come in. You're doing it six days a week. You're just crushing it. Like you can do more weight than I program. You you maybe maybe days where I put chest bar pull ups in. You do ring muscle ups. Like you're just absolutely killing it. You're not sore, and you're thinking that you want to go a little bit farther and actually compete. At that point is when I would say maybe we're gonna look at doing some additional programming. This is important because I have a lot of people that are new that talk to me, you know, get really in love with the sport or really in love with CrossFit. And those are two separate things, but get really in love with CrossFit and then wanna get into the sport of CrossFit. Like, oh, I need some extra additional work. I need like squatting and I need this and I need that. You know, can you give me some extra programming? And my thought is it's not until we get to this point that I would consider giving anyone extra programming. And what's the reason for that? Prevention of injury, longevity? I'm gonna say the, the reason that, yes, prevention, prevention, injury prevention, longevity, uh, mental sanity. There's no point in me giving you an extra two hours worth of work a day. A, if you don't have time to do it, like if you have a full-time job. B, if you're not getting eight hours of sleep every night. C, if you haven't mastered your nutrition, if you're not under, if you're not under 11, 12% body fat, then it's not, no, it's not gonna happen. Like you're not gonna, if you can't do 40 to 50 pull-ups in a row unbroken, there's no point. So let's get to that level first. Then we can start looking at the other stuff. There's, there is no point to trying to do all of this extra work until we're at the point where we've shown that we can master because otherwise you're gonna be stuck as the guy that's you know 50 pounds overweight that can lift more weight than anybody that can't do any of the other movements. You know, What good does that do? You're not gonna compete, so let's, let's not waste your time. Then you're gonna get frustrated. You say, oh, the program doesn't work. You're gonna go find another program and that program won't work and none of the programs will work. You might end up at 10 different gyms and then, you know, it, it's, it's not, people that support that I don't think are doing their athletes any favors, so. Um, so yeah, so you've been doing it for a couple of years, you're crushing it. I would say that that might be time to evaluate the open track and maybe look at adding to it if you're crushing it and you're satisfied with that, or if um, you know it just remains hard. Maybe as you're getting older, it just it's it's enough, then we just stay with that, right? That's good enough. So that's that's sort of my soup to nuts open track. Talking about now we've moved over, so we're not gonna compete in CrossFit. And I, I've sort of pushed that to the right into the performance into the performance column. I think of the performance column. Are you a former athlete? Do you play another sport? Uh, do you wanna go do local competitions and do well? Do you, so this goes back to your other question. So I play, I'm a pro professional ping pong player and I would like to get better at that. Or I'm a marathoner like Christy or we have another client who's a professional racquetball player. Like, do I, do you, I wanna get better at that and I wanna get stronger and faster and blah, blah, blah. So the performance track is what we have designed for that individual. Maybe it's a little bit, 
it's going to have a lot of the high skill components. It's going to have a lot of the high weight components, but maybe just not as much. We're looking at somebody that's willing to give up, you know, five days a week and is going to be consistent, but really doesn't want to take it any further than that because maybe they have another thing they're training for. Uh, you know, if you're in a marathon training, you know, and if you're in that final, you know, eight to 10 weeks, the volume that you're running, you're probably not going to have time because it just takes so much time. Or if you're an Ironman athlete, like you, you need to be on a bike and running, you know, hours a day. Are you going to have the time to come into CrossFit? So the performance athlete, are you going to do any of those things? Former athlete, playing other sports? If the answer is yes, uh, then I would say, great, you're in the right track. Are you serious about it? And, you know, are you going to keep doing it for a year, year or two? If the answer is yes, then maybe you might end up moving to the open track. That might be something after a year or two where you just push over to the open track. If you're content with the results you're getting, if you can't come up with any more time, if you can't come, you know, dial in the nutrition anymore, I would say that's great. Stay in that track. So if you're not a former athlete, if you're not looking to play another sport, maybe uh, you're newer to fitness, we're going to push it over into the fitness track. Hey, before we go into the, <clears throat> the fitness track, I think um, listening to you talk about the performance track, I'm here mentally like, no, 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 I'm open track. I'm competitive, right? I want to, I want to win. But I look back at the injuries I've picked up and the inconsistency I've had in the gym and almost all of it revol revolves around uh, a combination of lifting too heavy on a day where I'm either dehydrated or worked like a dog a couple days in a row and I'm just not at my optimal ability. And I've dumped myself into the open track because I've mentally just kind of blocked off like, no, you've got to be open or nothing. And that's when I always get hurt or I always have a really bad day where it, it's on the border of sore and hurt. So I just don't come in for three days. And then three days turns into eating bad and then eating bad turns into the next thing. So it's just kind of eye-opening to listen to you talk about <clears throat> the things that an open tr a performance track really encompasses. And I look back and say, man, how many more days could I have been in the gym? How many less days could I have been injured? Would I actually have better technique right now? Because instead of trying to he-man, hang clean, two, or power clean 235, would I have had quality technique on 185? Would I have more ankle mobility? Like all of those things that we kind of take for granted when you think, no, I've got to be open or bust. That, that's a fantastic point. And that, that is going to help me illustrate this better than I was. Um, open track, I think I had said five to six days a week, performance track, four to five days a week. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm saying if you can't give up that time, then you shouldn't be in that track. If you can't give up five to six days a week, you probably should not be doing the open track. If you can't give up four to five days a week, you probably should not be in the performance track. So to, to your point, on the weeks where you can only come in twice a week, you would likely be better off looking at the fitness track because the weights are gonna be a little bit lighter. The movements might be a little bit lower skilled. And maybe you've been driving for 22 hours, you know, from Arizona to New Mexico to Colorado, wherever the hell you go. And maybe you have been eating like crap. Maybe you've been entertaining clients. Maybe you've been, you know, drinking a little too much or eating too much or whatever. If you do that five days in a row and then you show up to the gym, like I'm open track, baby. I'm going to do, uh, you know, I'm going to, we're going to snatch, uh, you know, 185 and I'm going to try and do some ring muscle ups and I'm going to go do this and that. I'm going to try to, you know, we're going to go do Murph the next day. You're just looking to get injured. So I'm going to say that that's a fantastic point. 
and it doesn't have to be like, it's not etched in stone. Like if you are an open athlete and you're gone and you know, like for the month of December, I can only average two days a week at the gym. I would take a really hard look at maybe moving into the performance track or the fitness track version of the workout. And it doesn't even have to be the full scale down version, but at least look at, at, at scaling down the intensity a little bit because you can't, you just can't come in without that consistency. You, you're, you are likely to hurt yourself. So uh, moving to the fitness track, yeah. So three, four days a week coming in, that's not ideal. Uh, I don't, it's like the reason I don't sell partial memberships. I don't sell short memberships, two, three day a week memberships because I don't think that I'm doing you any, uh, I'm just, I'm wasting your money. If you, wanna, if you wanna pay me for a full, you know, for a three day a week membership, I'd rather not take it. I'd rather you come in every day. I'd rather you pay the money and then feel obligated to come in every day because that's how you're gonna get your results. If you come in three days a week, you could be the happiest person at the beginning coming in three days a week. And then after a year, you say, your program doesn't work. I didn't get any better. And I'm gonna say, well, you only came in three days a week. What do you expect? And I would expect somebody to look at me and say, well, why would you even offer that then? So that's why we don't do it. And I don't know, maybe we're missing millions of dollars a year not selling those memberships, but I don't, I don't think it's worth it. So uh, three to four days a week at the beginning, I'm looking at this maybe is either a more of a beginner athlete, somebody who's newer to fitness, somebody who's maybe deconditioned, um, someone who's maybe coming off of an illness or an injury, um, just a newer, a newer athlete that is maybe even intimidated by the gym or CrossFit and that's just, that's where we're gonna start. And we're gonna stay in that track until three to four days a week feels good. We don't feel intimidated. The movements feel great. You know, movements feel better. Like obviously uh, new people all the time after two months, they look at me, they go, oh man, I'm so frustrated. Like the squat snatch isn't perfect yet. And I'd say, well, give it about another 15 years and then you'll, you know, you'll be fine. So I don't expect all of the complicated movements to be, to be great, but I want you to be comfortable with it. I want you to be comfortable moving in, into the different positions, comfortable squatting. We get to that part, then we're probably gonna push you into the into the next track a little bit. And even if it's not the performance track in terms of some of the the higher skill exercises, at least, you know, some of the intensity and and some of the the weights, you know, as you get better and as you can uh, as you can move with great form and you know your diet improves and all of that. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at dividing up these three, these three things. So new athlete comes in, I think automatically we start at the fitness track and then evaluate from there, uh, have a conversation, talk about it. Uh, talking to someone like you, right? Where, where do you want to be? Like, what would, what would you say is your goal? I think it oscillates between wanting to compete geo-regionally, right? Not not go to regionals of CrossFit, but compete compete in geographically like in the, regional yeah, the events. SoCal CrossFit yeah. Championship. Yeah, like, like, and when I say compete, I mean like have a chance of winning with a team or a solo event, an individual event. So that that would be that. But then so I also do, want what, to, do what I do, get somebody really good like Christy and, <laughs> and just let, let, care let, the let her do all That's the work. That's my plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I also want to take a fight. So I think, um, you know, Muay Thai is one of my passions and it's been a long not a long time. It's been a couple of years since I've been really competitive with that. So I would love to be able to stay fit enough to where instead of having to go in and do six months of prep work before you take a first fight, 
Um, maybe being able to do like an eight to 12 week uh, camp and be like fit and ready to fight. So that, that to me is, there's kind of two goals there. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you see yourself fighting? Honestly, in the next, you're, you're at a company that you're building that's uh, at the point of uh, yeah. breaking out and being something really <laughs> large and you're already working and traveling five, six, seven days a week. Yeah, because I- And think, coming to the gym and doing podcasts. I know, we got a lot going on, right? So yeah. where, are we gonna put um, the, where are we gonna put this fight camp yeah, in the middle of we'll that? We'll see, we'll figure it out. I think that's kind of the fun of it. It's the creativeness of it. But I think the other side of it too is people think like UFC or not UFC right. in MMA. It's the exact same as CrossFit. You're just, you're just gonna do a lazy dog on a Friday night? Exactly, right? The parking structure yeah, at the park, mall? Yeah, that's, that's one way to fight. <laughs> but no, there's a lot of local events that you can do as an amateur that everyone thinks, oh, you either fight, you either prep and fight for the UFC or you don't. Uh, no, there's a lot of local. So we're not talking you boxing. Do. You're talking about some kind of full contact. Muay Thai, which okay. is actually tougher. Yeah, yeah, if you ask me. I mean, to each their own. But <clears throat> Muay Thai is uh, it's a tough Dude, sport. I saw a kickboxer when the guy put the the his hands in the glue and then the broken glass. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty yeah. much what it looks like. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty rough. Yeah, except these Muay Thai fighters are like ripped. Not they do not look like me. They're like 135 pounds and ripped, and they can kick harder than a horse. So what would you? How far out would you say that plan is? Like, what would be the plan for you competing and you fighting? I've been thinking about it for the, probably I've, I've been thinking about it for about a half a year now. And I would say until our, our recent injuries, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it at some point, I, I kind of had like an end of Q1 2020. So I would say somewhere between April 1st and June like, 30th of 2020. Like as in three months from now? Yeah. Actually being in a fight yep. or starting this program? Yeah. No, no, no. Being in a fight. And it'll, competing. It'll, it's like everything else, right? It doesn't take, now being a master, yeah, it takes years. Um, getting to a level that you can be incredibly competitive, it doesn't take a long time. It takes an incredible amount of focus and discipline. It's just like nutrition and just like CrossFit. Yeah, so I think, I think eight weeks, anything longer than that. I mean, here's the reality. Whenever I got ready for MMA fights, you get way more hurt getting ready for the fight than you actually do in the fight itself. You, I've never once seen a legit fighter walk into a fight without a couple broken fingers, some sort of nagging muscle issue or tendon issue. Like you just get beat up. So if you can do shorter fight camps and make weight still, that's kind of the way to go because you just risk a lot less injury. So where would you fight out here? What, so, does, that, what does that look like in Southern California? <clears throat> For, uh, for Muay Thai or for MMA? No, for where, you're gonna do Muay Thai, so where would you Yeah, that? so there, there's a couple different avenues that you can go. Um, it depends if you wanna do like like Thai Muay Thai, like, or like legit um, traditional Muay Thai, or if you wanna do more of like a hybrid kickboxing thing. Um, but a lot of times what you can do is you can, you can hook up with a local gym. The gym that I've been looking at is actually in Santa Clarita. It's a gym called World Muay Thai, which has a really, um, really respectable- Where are they? Uh, I've seen their off, logo. Off Lions. Yeah, they're like midway up Lions. Huh. Yeah, uh, Krupong is like one of the best of the best. So I'll probably drop in there, work with them. And I used to fight for Big John's. That was like the place that I was at, but they went out of, you know, I don't know if they went out of business, but they disbanded, we'll call it that. The people um, that do the truck, that work on trucks? Big John's? Yeah. Oh, is there a truck, Big John's? Yeah. No, Big John McCarthy, the MMA oh, referee. They put like the they put like the, the suspension on my truck. Oh, really? Yeah. No, 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 this is the UFC Big John's referee. performance. Big John's, you've seen him on TV, let's get it on. The family, that. like if you go there, you get a side tangent, you go there with like with your truck, the whole family of like relatives that run that place, like these guys that are all like six, nine, 
400 pounds. Maybe. Because they just lift the trucks up while the other guy puts tires on. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> Big but John is yeah. like, they are literally six, six giant people. That's funny. Yeah. It's too funny. So okay, yeah, anyways, so you find a gym guy. just, so just like CrossFit. Have you checked it out? Yeah, it's just like CrossFit, right? You find a, a really respectable gym okay. and you say, hey, I, I want to do this. And then they would help you identify events in Southern California, right? And they're sanctioned. So you'd have to go out and you'd have to get a physical and a blood blood test and all this stuff to make sure that you're healthy enough to be able to fight. And then typically with MMA, it's a little different. With MMA, your first two fights as an amateur, you have to wear pads. So you have to wear a head headgear and uh, shin pads. And then after your second fight, you take everything off. I don't know on Muay Thai. I highly doubt it. Muay Thai is a lot more of a traditional sport. You see a lot of people getting, you see a lot of amateurs get into MMA because it's like the cool thing to do. You don't see a lot of people getting into Muay Thai because it's the cool thing to do. I feel like in Muay Thai, you're going to get hurt a little bit it's more. A it's when a I was sport. younger, I, I yeah. dabbled in that a little bit and it hurt a lot. Yeah. So Muay Thai is, uh, they call it the art of eight limbs. It's elbows, knees, feet, and hands. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough sport. I had a guy, we'd go out, we'd go out to West Covina to, to like kickbox with this guy that was, uh, he was like the California champion of like the kickbox, like every kickboxing event that they had here. And I was, we were doing like some kind of karate thing. Uh, but we drive out there to go spar with this guy like on Sundays. And he had like a full ring in his backyard and we would just train, he would literally train for like four hours and then spar and then you're ready to go. for yep. like an hour. Yep. I, th I think his goal really was to wear everybody out so nobody hurt each other. And afterwards, we were so fucked up. He had and he had a freezer outside that was full of like empty soda cans that he had filled with water and then fr that frozen. And he would have you wear like, you'd wear long socks out there yep. and he would stuff these soda cans in the, in the in your socks all the way around your shins. Just numb you up. To try and get your shins numb because the next day your shins would just be, you could like push your finger like yeah. a half an inch through the swelling to your bone. Yeah, we would do, so we had two exercises we would do. We had these like wiffle ball bats that were wrapped in duct tape and you would sit there and to warm up, you would just like kind of like drumstick on your, on your shins uh, to just get them, yeah, just to get them like desensitized. And then the other thing we would do, and this one was fucked up, you would stand face to face with a partner. And you just cross legs. And you would cross yeah, legs, but yeah. you would do it real soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, the, the but top, then you know, you yeah. got to one up, like you're like, exactly. oh, fuck that hurt. Then you get, you get the next thing. Cause if you're kicking, like it hurts a little less than if you're getting kicked. Yep. So it's like, you have that momentum. Yep. So like, you're like, oh, that hurt. You're like, all right, I'm gonna get this guy. And then, then it escalates to the point where you're like, hopping on one leg <laughs> they get like sorry bro so stupid yeah you know what's actually the worst injury you know and i know i don't want to go on too crazy of a side tangent the worst leg injury is uh depending on what what your front leg is when the other person kicks straight into that it band uh, i mean yeah, you can bad. there there is nothing you can do to desensitize that it band to that and it's one of those things too where you get hit one time the wrong way and it just locks up and it won't let go. I'm gonna say I've no, I'm gonna say after like years of doing that, I got to the point where I could take pretty good shots to the Yeah, you can get better at it. To the it band. Yeah. But it but it's one of those things where if you get caught on that one, no matter if you've been doing it for a year or ten years and it locks, you're done. That leg is not coming back for the rest of the night. It's not coming back for the rest of the week. I when we were down we go down to the bar with this guy, I prided myself on being like just having a hard head. Like I wasn't really good at anything. It was kinda like early CrossFit, right? Yeah. I'm gonna lift heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it was kinda like uh, nobody could knock me out. And uh, this guy hit me in the kidney so hard. Oh yeah. That I just remember like just looking like everything went gray for a minute. Yep. And I remember I was on my knees looking up at him, like feebly trying to punch. He's just <laughs> laughing at me. 
It's like the liver shot. People don't realize yeah, how bad it is. That's not good. Until you've really gotten hit, you don't realize how vicious that, that hit is. It's not, even like, it's not even like pain. My body just shut down. It just shuts down. Your body takes yeah, over. So nope, yeah, you're going can't. to the ground. Exactly. It's trying to protect itself. Okay. So, so okay. So how do we yeah. get to so, that? So, so we're talking about you competing yeah, and so you're going to compete in CrossFit and in Muay Thai by April. I think Muay Thai by April. I think CrossFit. I was hoping to do um, a partner competition in 2019. And the person that I wanted to partner with ended up doing um, a co-ed competition. So I was like, well, that went out the window. Um, so, but it doesn't matter, right? So, but yeah, I think my goal in 2019 was to do a local CrossFit competition. Failed at that. Which one was it? I don't remember. No. I know I, it was one of those things where I talked to somebody in the gym. I was like, hey, I want to do something this year. You want to do it? And he kind of already had a partner. And I said, hey, if that person ends up going to the police academy or whatever, and you don't have a partner, I'd be more than happy to be your partner. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And then he ended up doing um, a, what's it called? A co-ed one. Wow. So that fell apart. But okay. I think my, my goal for 2020 would be, yeah, definitely take a fight early in the year. And then at some point fold in a uh, CrossFit competition. Okay. Because our in-house competition, although it was like jovial and, um, you know, just, just the gym. So there was a lot less pressure than probably a normal competition. That was so much fun. We, we had another one planned for December and we pushed it back to the spring. And now with a couple things happening with the gym, I think we're going to push that back to probably late, late spring, early summer. I think we might have uh, kind of a post open. Oh no, opens in the fall now. Yeah. Opens in the fall. It'll be it'll, pretty open. It, yeah. We'll, the, we'll, that'll be a different podcast, different announcement, different announcement, but um, yeah, I think we'll, ha we'll be in a better place. So, yeah. um, okay. Your injury. I'm not, why did we go down that tangent? We were talking because about- Because we were talking about what kind of okay, competitions. So, okay, and then no, we talked about I, me, me probably being on the performance. Yeah, so performance draw this track. back in. So thinking about like what track you should be in. I would say, based on what you're doing, we're looking at doing local gym comp. We're looking at doing another sport mm -hmm. and how much time you're going to have to train being in the performance track or setting your sights towards those type of exercises. Even if you use some open weights sometimes or use some of the open track skills kind of think putting yourself in that performance track mode and you know that you're going to be there four to five days a week i'd say that's probably going to keep you a little more uh, mentally uh, a little happier on the track with your results and you know just sort of being honest about what you're doing I, i'd say that it'd be a little more doable right instead of trying to smash yourself into the open track also I, i'd say until we get you healed Right, so that's another topic I guess we can cover real quick. Until we get you healed, then I don't think there's any reason. So last couple of days, you've been really, really, you know, sidelined with a, with a hurting back. And we talked about coming back in and starting real light and, and going with some really super scaled versions of the exercise. Uh, a couple of days of that, how do you feel? Uh, I feel okay. So you're on Friday and Saturday, right? Yeah, I was in Friday and Saturday. That's been, this has been really humbling, by the way. And I think I was telling you before we started today. Um, I went back, so about a month and a half ago, I was out in Phoenix, and a good friend of mine owns a gym out there, and uh, I drove six hours one way, worked all day, slept at a friend's house, and then I had a 6 a.m. workout with him the next morning. This is the one you told me about where you're like, dude, I did this workout, and it was like, uh, like a 10 mile run and a hundred muscle ups and like 300 clean and jerks with 225 pounds. And like, and then you went on to list like every exercise that I've ever done in, a, in an ex in a workout ever yeah. all in one workout. It was a big chipper. It was a 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. And uh, the 50 was like 50 calories on a bike. And then it turned into like a walking 40 walking dumbbell overhead 
lunges. And then it ended the 10. And I mean, everything was heavy, right? The, the bike was the only thing that wasn't heavy. Oh, and it started out, I'm sorry, before that, it started out with a squat complex and mm-hmm. you were to get to 90% of your one rep max. And then the 10 was a 155 uh, snatch, power snatch. And by the 30, my back was kind of feeling a little funky. Not, not bad, not like I'm injured, I need to step out, but just kind of sore and like, I'm gonna tough through this now. So finish that. And then afterwards, the coach had some, you know, for their programming, they had some like extra credit work. Yeah. Which this was a, um, a, a, D-ball, a D-ball over the shoulder, which I don't know if you guys have ever used the D-ball. I like to call it the dead body ball. So it's just a big, heavy sand ball that doesn't, it feels like a dead body when you pick it up, doesn't yeah. want to work with you. You got a couple D-balls. Okay. Uh, That's you, a gym. Hey, what'd you call me? Yeah. Uh, so I did a hundred pound D ball over the shoulder 30 times. And that was where I was like, okay, I think I, I think I might've fucked something up and then got in the car and drove six hours home. And that's what started this, uh, last. So the, yeah. So, so what's interesting is ever since then, so that was called a month and a half ago, right? Uh, after that, I took a week off. I was like, man, I'm fucked. I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta rest. Felt good. Came back, did one day, maybe two days back, just laid up on the couch. Okay, take some time off, took four or five days off again. Oh yeah, again, back in one day, didn't feel great after that one day, but didn't feel hurt. So I, I made the, the mature decision. I'm gonna go to the gym and stretch for an hour. Well, your body doesn't like fucking stretching for an hour when it's hurt, because what happens is if you stretch too much, your body starts to guard itself. And how does it guard itself? It lets everything spasm to make sure that you can't fuck with it anymore. So I had that day where I was crawling around in the gym because I stretched too much, which was like the most embarrassing thing ever, right? You're, oh, you got hurt stretching? You must be super weak. Um, so what's funny is that- Nobody that, at our gym would ever say that <laughs> Of course not, right? Um, and then uh, after that, so I came back and I worked out on a Friday, couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and uh, came in Saturday morning. And Saturday morning, I was like, man, I don't feel good, but most of this stuff's body weight. It was like a row and a pull-up and a, a hand cling complex, and it was a team workout. So I was like, you know what? I'm sorry, but I got to be that guy. I'm going to do a 65-pound clean. <clears throat> I couldn't even do that. I mean, I did it, but the rest of the weekend, I was crawling around on the floor. So so the reason I bring or tell you so much detail is – um, I've been dealing with some sort of, you know, just nagging something ever since the spring open was over. I was probably strong for about a month after that. And then I've slowly just been kind of like decaying away since then. And I went back and listened to our podcast that we recorded over the summer about uh, injury and when to identify injury, when to deal with injury versus when you might just think you're just sore and toughing through it. And I actually think I probably hurt myself over the summer. And what I've been doing is I've just been taking just enough rest for me to feel good, but my body not recover. So then every time I've gone back into the gym, it's gotten worse and worse and worse until the point where I couldn't even lift a 60, a 65 pound hang clean because my body was so hurt at that point. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, so anyways, went and got it checked out. I've got something called a sacroiliac strain, which is like a lower back, uh, muscle strain. If I'm saying that right, it's not a ligament injury. It's a muscle injury. Um, yeah, and there really is no solution to this thing other than rest and core strength, uh, which is going to be kind of a bummer because I did. I did work out last Friday. I worked out last Saturday. Didn't feel terrible, but I also did body weight and squatting to a box. So just super humbling. Um, yeah, but the goal, okay, so the goal is like when you're injured, the goal is to, okay, A, we need to not be injured anymore. So we have to not do any of the things that cause us more injury or impede healing 
if we can do something else while doing that, if we can still, you know, if we can still come in and do something that doesn't exacerbate the existing injury or get in the way of it healing, then that's going to be beneficial, right? It's gonna be beneficial to you mentally, it's gonna be beneficial to you physically. So the goal is to find, okay, so what's wrong? What can we do? What can't we do? Is there, you know, generally there's something we can do. If your back's hurt, we can come in and we can bike for half an hour. We can sometimes row, depending on what kind of back injury you have. Maybe do a ski erg. Um, you know, there's always something that we can do. We can bench press, we can do other things. So I'd say for the athlete that that's injured, let's look at trying to keep that ball rolling, right? There's something something to your momentum. And if you can just keep coming in, you're, you can get better, better at other skills. You can just at least keep the momentum of coming to the gym, you know, four to five days a week. For someone like you, I think it's important. You know, I think you would go crazy if you didn't do something. Yeah, I agree. And on that topic, I think one of the reasons that I've continued to come in, I think the mistake that I've made, I've come in because I know that if I just stay at home, staying at home leads to bad eating, which leads to just making bad decisions. And before you know it, it's, it's been three weeks and your back's healed, but you're still not going to the gym. So for me, it's been very conscientious of I'm going to go to the gym. Now where I've made my mistake is I go to the gym and someone is like, yo, are you doing the workout? And I'll mentally walk in and say, no, I'm just gonna stretch tonight. And they're like, and then I get there and they're like, you doing the workout? I'm like, oh, I guess I'm doing the workout. And that's where I've gotten hurt. So I think, yeah, to your point of still come, just be very methodical and very purposeful about the movements that you do. Yeah, and don't don't uh, fall into the peer pressure, right? Come on, bro, you can totally do that. Yeah. If, uh, we always say, every bad injury follows, you got this bro, or come on, bro, yeah. like, you know, you're a pussy man, you should do this weight. It's like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this weight over here and I'm gonna stay in my lane and I'm, I'm gonna, you know, do what I'm doing. So, you know, that really falls back into that sort of picking your track. And, and I guess maybe I should make a fourth track, maybe like an injury track, right? So where we, where we, that injury track would be doing the things that you can do, you know, making sure that you're still getting the sleep, make sure you're still eating well, right? Cause your diet has nothing to do. Be like, oh, I'm, I'm gaining weight cause I'm injured. Like, what you're gaining weight, what that your, your injury forces you to only eat at Carl's Jr. or like you can still eat well. In fact, I tell people when you can make it to the gym, you should really double down on the eating and make sure that you're, you know, super strict because that could be an opportunity to maybe spend a little more time on that. But, uh, you know, fit uh, injury track, you know, make sure that you you take the time to heal entirely and then and then you maybe we can move into the fitness or the performance track again. So I, I'd say for you being injured, the goal of Feb of like April, May seems like it'll be tough. Mm -hmm. It'll be a stretch. On injury track, I will say my gymnastics have gotten significantly better. I can handstand walk now because you just, you're for- My goal for you would be to, to leave the injury track. Me too. By April. Yeah. Not to compete in a fight. Yeah, and if, it's, if it doesn't happen, you're right. And I'm not going into it with this macho, like if it doesn't happen by April, I gotta make it happen. Like, no, if it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. You did miss one track, the Nordic track. The Nordic track? Yes, that's when you only go skiing. This episode is brought to you by Nordic Trek. So one other thing uh, I, th I thought was worth mentioning as we're talking about this is uh, the just the idea of rest and recovery and you know how maybe people get injured or how injuries sort of jump from being a minor nagging thing to like a serious injury. I, I think people under undervalue the recovery. And I always say that the eating, is a third 
you know, the working out is a third and sleeping is a third. And if you don't have all three of those, then there's no point in doing it. But recovery is not just resting. You can't just say, oh, I got eight hours of rest or I rested. You need to recover. And if you're feeling beat up the next day or injured and you show up and you do a workout at 70% the next day because you're feeling like crap and you, you just, you really, you sort of break it off that day. The next day you come in, maybe you're at 60%. And then you try and break it off again and go, you know, go for broke and maybe come in at 50%. Training at 70, 60, 50, 40% every day is not as good as maybe taking two days off and then on the, you know, third day coming back in at 95%. So it's really important people realize like, uh, God, a few years ago, everybody had those stupid oxygen masks that they would wear training. They go, oh, bro, like if I train my body with less oxygen, like it's going to get harder and like, you know, everything's going to get better because like I'm training with less oxygen. So it means it's harder. And the reality is, is all you're doing is you're practicing movements, you're creating motor patterns, you're, you're doing all these things at a reduced capacity, which is probably only going to reduce your capacity. You want to train, you want to perform these things. You want to develop your motor skills at the highest capacity possible. You want to train when you're at a hundred percent. If you're not training at a hundred percent, what good are you doing? You know, so if you're feeling beat up to where you're so sore, you can't move and you want to stay in the rhythm of coming in, great, come in. And you know what, treat it as an active recovery day. Whatever we're doing, say, hey man, I, I just want to go, I'm going to go empty bar today. I'm going to go... I'm going to row. I'm not going to get after it. I'm going to keep the intensity like super light, 70% intensity and just move through the things. Like we talked about one of the workouts, Hey, just move through everything. Who cares what you do? That's your active recovery day. You know, take some time to stretch and let's see how you feel the next day, you know? And if you're at hundred percent the next day or 90% or 95%, then great. Get after it. You know, so the analogy was, uh, a great one that I've heard is, you know, if you dig a hole, that's like working out, it's digging a hole, right? So say you dig a hole five feet deep and the sleeping and the eating part and the recovery is filling that hole back in, right? So say you eat well, you sleep really well, you do a little bit of active recovery and you fill your hole all the way back in. That sounded weird. You want to fill your yeah, hole? Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, please. Who uh, fills whose hole? Yeah. Okay, let's say somebody else fills your hole. Wait, okay. Uh, you put dirt in the hole. <laughs> Jesus Christ, put you dirt put hole. dirt in the hole? Oh, yeah. You're yeah. doing it wrong, yeah. dude. No. Okay, let's say you, you manage to uh, uh, fill and compact the, the excavation that you have made. This and you come back in the next day, better. you can keep, you can maybe dig that a little bit deeper, right? So if, you, if you're not doing that though, so say the next day you've only, you've only got that half filled and you come in and you work out, you're gonna dig it deeper and then you only half fill it again. At a certain point, your hole is going to be so deep, there's no way you can ever get yourself, get, get yourself out of it. So you have to, it, it's not going to just, you're not gonna get, you're not going to get harder. You're not going to get better by beating yourself up. I mean, there might be an exercise, maybe you and I go out hunting one day and we don't bring any food with us. And that might be a mental exercise where mentally you can make yourself a little bit stronger. Or maybe you decide to go, hey, I'm going to go on a fast and, and just see, you know, develop some mental strength. There's some, there's some, there's something to that, but that's not this. This is when you're dealing with your body and, and doing exercise, like we, we need to be really careful what we're doing here. You're not going to beat yourself up into being better. I feel like with you, I feel sometimes 
you're, you're going to beat yourself up. You're going to just beat yourself into submission. Like, God damn it. Like, I'm just going to crush myself every day and I'll be better. Oh, totally. No, it's the whole, if I'm sore, I'm doing it right. Mentally, it might feel better. Yeah, it might. But that's where we say you got to be, it's, it, it's saying it's easy to be hard, but it's hard to be smart, right? It's easy to be hard. I'm going to go after, I'm just going to go in and smash myself every day. But it's harder to be smart, right? If you if you think about it, that's why if you were to just give it up, if you were, you know, all these CrossFit athletes that have trainers that they pay, right? If you're paying somebody, if you're paying me a lot of money to train you and you knew that I was going to get you where you wanted to go and you actually listened to me, like you wouldn't like a lot of what I would say to you, right? I'd be telling you to rest a lot more than you probably want to rest. I'd be, and then when you're in the gym, I'd probably push you to an intensity that you didn't want to be at. And, and you might get so crushed, you might have to do a little extra rest. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm trying to push everybody mentally is, you know, be a little bit smarter about it. We want you in every day, but maybe not every day is 100% effort. I tell people all the time, hey, today, think about 75% effort, you know, maybe today we're at, we're at 98%. We're, you know, today we're walking down the street and maybe tomorrow we're at the intensity of you're being chased by a shark or a mountain lion, so. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy that I pay you a lot to not train me. Yeah, you're, you're paying to not listen. Yeah, I pay you a advice. lot to not listen to your advice. I pay you a lot to not train me. Yeah. And I pay yeah. you a lot for this to go right over your head right now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> on that note, let's put a bow on this thing. So if you're injured, try and get off the re recovery track. And oh, I was just gonna add a couple more things here. Boom, let's do it. Okay, let's I was gonna say, the untie thing you do, that bow. We were gonna talk, we were gonna talk about uh, uh, the double-fisted muscle massager. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we gotta talk about this. That uh, the, the, the double-fisted uh, muscle massager that you bought from mrfister.com <laughs> that comes with the, that comes with the two-sized fist attachments. I'm so excited about that. I can't what, wait. What's the name of the one? Here. The Theragun is the one that you use at the gym. One of the, yeah, one of the clients at the gym has something called the Theragun. Not Josh. It was, it was somebody Josh. else. No, it was Josh. Oh, yeah. I was going to keep his name secret. But uh, yeah, clearly. It's not Josh. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so he, he bought the Theragun. Right. I remember That's he told the big me daddy, right? That's the oh, Cadillac man, of the guns. So nice. Are we sponsored by them yet? Not yet. Eh, okay. Well, we'd like that. Um, so I was, yeah, we, Josh let me use it and it's basically like a portable, um, <laughs> I was going to say portable <laughs> massager, but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, there's no way to say it. No. It, it's like a giant industrial strength, like vibrator. <laughs> With a jackhammer head. With a jackhammer, like yeah. a fist head. It's a combination of a sawzall, a jackhammer, yeah. and a, a personal vibrator. Yeah. We had this conversation, actually. A couple of our members work for a, like a, a toy distribution company, and I don't mean children's toys. <laughs> And we were kind of laughing about the the similarities to this and some of the larger <laughs> larger, uh, larger things that they sell. So uh, so we use that at the gym. And we, uh, let's clarify: we use the Theragun at the gym. Yes, we use Theragun at the gym. And man, I felt a million times better than yeah. Next day. I jammed that right in your butt. Yep. Well, the side of the butt. Yep, side of the butt. And Where my hip, back to this injury, like I've had this injury and I just can't get my IT band to let go. I can't get my hip to let go from a from a muscle. And man, this thing just helped. Big time. So it helped and I used a little bit. I thought, ah, I felt pretty good. So I get a, I get a message from you at like nine o'clock at night that night. And you're like, hey, I found the this knock. company, the- the uh, <laughs> Craft gun. The craft gun. And it's only like, they could get two of them for 400 bucks. And <laughs> the, the, the Theragun is, the Theragun is like 500 bucks by itself. Can I paint the picture? 
paint the picture for the for the loyal patrons. Yes. So I get home and I'm feeling like loosened up, and this is Friday night. And I'm like, man, I really want to work out tomorrow. Um, what can I do to kind of promote recovery right now? And if the fans don't know this, I'm really into bath bombs. I go to Lush like once a week and I buy $100 worth of bath bombs. I don't know why, it's just my thing. Don't judge me. It's 2019. Bath bombs. It's 2019. Don't judge me. So, you know, draw draw a nice warm bath, drop a bath bomb in. I think it was a lavender thing. And it's funny because the bath bombs have glitter in them. So every time I get out of the bath, it looks like I just like, I was like the, VIP, strip club. the VIP at the strip Go club. Ahead. Uh, so I'm, si- I'm sitting in a bath, all the lights are off. I have a candle listening to, um, Neil Horan, who used to be in one direction, but now he's a solo artist. I don't even know. Oh, it was great, that. man. Yeah. It was great. Very sensual music. You have some candles. Candles going. Okay. And I'm like, God, I really want one of those Theraguns. Right. So I got my phone and I found the craft gun and I, you could buy one for $249, but shipping, free shipping happened at $300. They're smart. But if you bought two, they free gave shipping. You, they gave you a discount too, one ninety nine a pop and free shipping. And in that moment, you know, nestled in my bath, nice and warm, candles, aromas, Neil Horan in the background. Mm-hmm. There's only one person I could think of that I'd want to share that moment with. Were you thinking you. of me before you sent the text? I might have been. Okay. So I get this text, and it is. I'm like, cool, whatever, let's do it. And he sends me. You send me a copy of this a, a fucking receipt that looks like the the guy the same guy that's offering me 25 million dollars if from the prince of nairobi <laughs> if i send him my bank account information it looks like he made this receipt so sketchy and sent it over uh i looked there's, not even, thought, there's no I order number a, i will pay you when these show up there's no order number the receipt says these Val- will arrive in 40 to 50 days valued patron does you have my name on it had nothing 40 to 50 days yeah. this guy is he's what is he doing he's melting down his children's toys yep to create make, craft guns yeah to make craft guns <laughs> yeah so <laughs> sketchy but if they come i'm sure we'll have a review episode on the craft gun and then hopefully we get sponsored but if the guy ever listens to this episode yeah. i don't think we're ever gonna get sponsored yeah well craft gun guy if you ever listen to this episode um we can a we can help you out with your marketing uh we're not masters of marketing but based on what you sent us we think we can do better we can definitely help you <laughs> uh, yeah so you know what i'm about i'm about that craft mac and cheese gun son you ever that, had that? I have not. Mm. They make a gun that shoots macaroni and cheese? Well, anything can be turned into a mac and cheese gun if you want it to. Close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just pictured you feeding me like a baby bird. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think now we can put a bow on it. That was my... That was my... Uh, I'm going to say that will fill my herded at the gym because uh, that came up at the gym. So, Deal. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right, everybody. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.